folks, welcome to another episode of Catch Up, the podcast about contemporary hip-hop that examines where hip-hop has been, where it's going, and where it is. I'm Jordan Suwami. And I'm James Rathbone. And this week, uh, we want to do something a little bit different. Um, you know, our regular format is usually covering like one particular subject, but there's something that I find uh, when I, I read criticism or I read people's opinions online that really sticks with me, which is... If I don't know what a person actually likes, it's very hard for me to respect their criticism in general. Like, if I don't know what the, the bar is, what the bar is for what is good, what is interesting to them, what like means the most, what they're influenced by, it's like it kind of becomes a little bit meaningless because anybody can sort of take down an artist and say a negative thing about them or kind of give like their opinion about things. But I think like it's much more interesting when you know that's where that is based in the context of the rest of their taste and, and sort of their history with that like art form. It, it has to be relative to the rest of the things you like. And, and so I think in fairness to that, I wanted, to, I think that we wanted to do an episode where we break down our, our history with rap in terms of how our opinions were formed. What are some of our all time favorite records and all, all questions kind of in that vein where essentially we're interviewing each other. Yeah. Uh, it's really interesting because it's like, it's interesting to think about, kind of what shaped your taste and how you came to be the way that you are. Cause I mean, I think like everyone, my, my taste was shaped by very few particular like instances and moments and kind of directions that my life took, which then the music I listened to took me down a different path. And a lot of that, I mean, uh, it all led to like cre- us creating Boosie fade. So it's like also mm-hmm. just an interesting story on, on that front. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's just like, there are actually questions that I've wondered about Jordan. Sometimes I'll think, what is like Jordan's actually feeling about this kind of thing? I mean, I know a lot of the artists Jordan likes, obviously from DJing with him and just mm-hmm. talking about music, but even there are a lot of, I'm sure there'll be some interesting things that I'll find out about him, even though we've been friends for many years. It's true. Before we get into that though, we got to, we got to take care of some quick housekeeping notes. Absolutely. Uh, first of all, follow us on Instagram at catch up podcast, slide into our DMS, give us episode re- recommendation uh, topics, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Give us compliments, uh, <laughs> criticisms, whatever you want. Yeah. We're there in the DMs uh, for you. Um, also, if you have the means, like please support us on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash catchuppodcast. It's a big help in keeping the podcast going. And uh, once again, we got we to gotta mention our, our live episodes coming up. It's Saturday, October 19th. It's with DJ Academics. We are going to talk to him about his career arc, his opinions on the music industry, his experiences, uh, the time he almost got in a fight with the Migos, all that shit. We're going to talk about it all. So yeah. tickets are available right now at therecroom.com. Uh, that's T-H-E-R-E-C-R-O-O-M.com. So they're only 10 bucks. So go over there. And pull up and support your support your boys, man. We're yeah. fucking doing this live episode thing. We're growing the podcast. We're hitting new heights, and we really would like to see your support there physically because we want to see your faces. Yeah, it's gonna be I, it's gonna be a lot of fun. I'm I'm really looking forward to it. It's gonna be fun as hell. All right, let's get let's get into the episode. Uh, we came up with a list of questions to ask each other. We haven't discussed the answers to these ahead of time at all. Uh, let's just see how this goes. Okay, let's do it. So, uh, let's start out with, what is the first rap CD you ever bought? So, the first rap CD I ever bought was Hello Nasty by the Beastie Boys. That is very interesting. I would not have expected that at all. You know what? 
me today would also not have been <laughs> <laughs> um, but in some ways like I, it kind of makes sense to me I mean I was 11 years old like yeah, I bought yeah. it as soon as it came out I think it's like I'd seen the video the video um, was really fun for Intergalactic no you know what I think I, I think I had recently seen the video for Sabotage okay like and so that, that, when I was a kid it like yeah, came yeah. on came that on, video is incredible yeah and they're like playing like cops Drops, or whatever yeah, yeah, and it's like so funny yeah I remember I'd seen that video and I was like, oh, what is this? Who are these guys? And yeah, like, this yeah. is like really funny. And then, so, and then also when Intergalactic came out, like the, and the video came out and stuff, I was like super into it. So as soon as the, as soon as the album came out, I went down to the HMV and I, and I bought it. Mm. And it's like, it's, you know, I, if I recall correctly, it's like a, it's like an interesting album. There's, there's some like straight up inter- instrumental songs on it. Mm-hmm, that's right. Yeah, like, so. you, Mix Master Mike. Yeah, yeah. Mix Mike songs. So. Yeah, well, late late career Beastie Boys, I feel like is a, they're they're pretty adventurous at that point with their sound and what they want them to do, which is a funny thing for like an eleven year old who hears Sabotage to like get into compared to like Paul's Boutique or like their earlier stuff, which is a bit more like fun, you yeah. know, guys like goofing off type stuff. I feel like I couldn't relate to like just broy. We're at a party and we're drinking beer. I'm like, yeah, what yeah. is what is that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like that doesn't even sound fun. Yeah, I've heard it tastes bad. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. What I was mean, the first recipe you bought. I'm I'm trying to remember if I ever actually bought any like like the Chronic 2001 or Marshall Mathers LP like whether or I just had burned copies of them because mm-hmm. that was kind of a thing uh, at the time. But the first rap CD I can hunt like I know that I had I think was Blazing Arrow by Blackalicious, which. Is was just like spoke to how like I was like kind of into indie stuff in the early like when I was in high school you know it's kind of grade ten eleven and like Black Star was the kind of rap album that would be at the place where I was buying my you know uh, Modest Mouse CDs mm. um, and you know people be like he 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 does a song where he raps all the alphabet all the words are <laughs> with the, the different letters you know. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't too long after that until I guess I got into like uh, Black Star, Common, like I, I that like and then so those are sort of like the like Pitchfork approved at the time, mm-hmm. uh, Spin Magazine, yeah, approved. Spin Magazine kind of exactly kind of rap uh, and out, like yeah, Speaker Box, Love Below as well. It's mm-hmm. like everybody had yeah. Uh, and and until yeah and then you know shortly after sort of getting into like i remember buying like big l and Ghostface and, and when i really got into sort of hip hop backpack phase yeah exactly yes. um, let's listen to a little bit of black delicious uh, alphabet aerobics Artificial amateurs aren't it all amazing Analytically I assault animate things Broken barriers bounded by the bomb beat Buildings are broken basically I'm bombarding Casually create catastrophes Casualties canceling cats got the canopies collapsing Detonate a diamond tank daily doing dope Demonstrations Don Dada on the down low Eating other editors with each and every energetic Epileptic episode elevated etiquette Furious fat fabulous fantastic Flurries of funk felt feet the fanatics if got great global goods gone glorious getting godly in this game with the glorious hit them high hella hype historical hey holocaust hymns hear them holler at your homeboy imitators idolize i intimidate in an instant i'll rise in an irate state juiced on my jams like jerry curls jocking joints justly it's just me writing my journals kindly i'm kindling all kinds of king kong karate kick type rits in my kingdom let me live what's the best rap concert you've ever been to hmm 
this kind of question is really hard because there's so many different ways you can kind of like think of it. There's like, what was like the best rap concert in terms of like the, the quality of the performer or like the significance of the show itself uh, versus like the, you know, what it meant for your life, you know, like the exp- mm-hmm. the night of mm-hmm. and the whole experience of like going to see a show with your friends and stuff like that. I, and, and so like in my head, I would say the one that kind of checks all the boxes is going to the 2010 Rock the Bells in New York City, where the lineup was Wu-Tang Clan, Lauren Hill, when she when she was just kind of coming back and people were still like sympathetic to her and she hadn't like pissed everyone off by being late and performing weird version of her songs. <clears throat> like I remember when Lauren Hill came on stage and like celebrities like lined the sides of the stage. Like John Legend and Chris Teigen were there, Jay-Z, I think Danny Glover might have been there. It was like Chris Rock. It was like all wow. of these like 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 cuz we we were really close to the stage so you could actually see who they were. Uh Tribe Called Quest and then finally like Snoop Dogg doing a uh, um doggy style sort of like the whole album through as well as like his like other like biggest hits. So it was it was like four just like incredible acts. I mean, you, you know, getting to see Tribe Called Quest for people born not in like the 70s is like a gift, you know. Uh-huh, they only uh-huh. did a handful of shows in the 2000s. Um, Wu-Tang Clan with one of the more full Wu-Tang lineups because like there was a lot of uh, Wu- like I, I went to see uh, there's another Rock the Bells Wu-Tang lineup I saw that had in New York that had like four members hmm. you know mm-hmm. it's like it's not like the whole clan that's, that's like, like that's like Wu yeah exactly that's Wu, that's Wu in the dash <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then like also like that one had a, one of the most embarrassing moments I've ever seen in a rap show where you God was there and he like didn't want to perform. He was like, they don't want to hear me. And he was saying that on the microphone Holy to Riza. And I was like, and we want to hear you. I never thought you were as bad as people said. <laughs> like, I like your verses on all this, like, you know, uh, the classic Wu-Tang cuts. Like, I never thought you God was as bad as people made him out to be. And it was just like, and they were like, and like Riza was just like encouraging him to like get on. And eventually he did do his verse, wow. but it was like, it was kind of surreal. That's really sad, actually. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, that show was was incredible. What was your favorite favorite rap show? So I actually have two, and they both happened at the Danforth Music Hall. Um, I think the first one was this Travis Scott Metro Boomin show mm-hmm. in 2015. Uh, we went to that together. What's that? We went to that together. Did we? Met, yeah. Wow. It's supposed to be Travis Scott, Young Thug, I and know. Metro Boomin. I was so devastated. That Young, Young Thug, Thug did not get there. into the country. I was devastated too. Um, I remember my girlfriend at the time wanted, was going to come to the show too. And when Young Thug was like, wasn't going to be on the show, she's like, I'm not going to come. Yeah. yeah. She's like, had work to do or something. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. She's like, I'm not going to. Like, I was like, fair enough. Like, yeah. But I, th- I think this is like my second time tra- seeing Travis Scott too. And like, it was just, I think this is like when I was just realizing, I think the rest of the world, mm-hmm. people were realizing that Travis Scott is like a really otherworldly performer. Yes. That he's like just on another level. It's probably like, his best trait. Actually, yes, as, it as is an as an artist. Yes, yeah. as an entertainer, it's his, it's the thing that like it's his biggest skill. Yeah, because yeah. it's something that he's so clearly passionate about, and mm-hmm. then he puts so much effort into, and it's like so unlike a lot of other artists. Mm-hmm. Um, just the energy was crazy. He was so he's so good at amping up the crowd. Mm-hmm. It's like 
And I think that like he was also performing a lot of the songs from like Days Before Rodeo, which was like my favorite project of his, mm-hmm. like Mamacita and like stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I actually think that if I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure I wrote a review for Now Magazine about it. Yes, I did. I gave it four. I gave it four ends. Four out of a possible five ends. <laughs> um, which is like, yeah. I, I, I mean, I guess I could have given it a. Five. I think I, I would have given it a five, but I was like too like gun shy. I was like, right? Yeah, am yeah. I am I like overhyping this? Or yeah, yeah. if I give it a five, are people gonna be like, this guy gave a five to a Travis Scott show? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, I was not as confident as I would be now with that. Um, but yeah, so that that and the other one is a North by Northeast show that was Jazz Cartier and Ray Shremmerd. Yeah. And there was a, a lot of things that made this like one. I feel like this is probably actually the, the real answer of the best hip hop show I've ever been to. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, Jazz Cartier opened Jazz Cartier at the time. And at the time, this is like new Toronto 1.0. Yeah. It was so optimistic. About whereas, it. whereas now there's, there's a litany of rappers from Toronto that are internationally famous. You got like Tory Lanez, you mm-hmm. got, um, that's it. <laughs> no, but I mean, like, just even no, like, like, like Presses got, got some. Yeah, some but I mean, like, you got Tory Lanez, you got uh, Killy, for instance, yeah. you got, you know, all the OVO and X- the like OVO Nav affiliated and, people, and part and next door, like people around the rest of the world are aware of like Toronto, like hip hop, mm-hmm. and uh, even like yeah, and so it's just like there is international support for Toronto hip hop, and people are aware of it for sure. Um, but at the time, there really was not that much outside of Drake and like who else even. Well, even, the week, I feel it was like just kind of the weekend. The really. weekend and Drake, yeah. And even like because even Party Next Door had put out projects, but I feel like he, even he hadn't that popped. Point, he hadn't popped internationally. People didn't really know who he was yeah. as much. And so, and Jazz Cardi really seemed poised to be the next breakout star of, from Toronto, mm-hmm. which in some ways he still was. Yeah, it's just sure. like people have since surpassed him. Mm-hmm. Um, but he like uh, so we were all super excited about Jazz. And I think like a lot of people, like myself included, kind of knew jazz casually. So you're also like rooting, and he's like a very nice guy. So you're also rooting for him. Mm-hmm. And he was really starting to get a lot of attention in the city. Yeah. So he opened and was amazing because he's also an amazing performer. He brought, up, brought up come down. Yes, that's what I was leading up to. And then he did one of the coolest things I've ever seen at a, at a concert. I don't know if anything's ever is. You know what? One the only one thing that's topped this moment is that I went to see Cameron at. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was called then called the Sound Academy, yeah, yeah. which is now called Rebel in Toronto, in 2014. Mm. And Cameron was rapping this song. And in the midst of rapping the song, a woman threw her panties on stage. Cameron caught the panties, dropped them, and and missed like only half a bar and referenced it. He was like, man, y'all crazy, and kept rapping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's a video of this. It's on his Instagram. It's so far back, but you can find the video of this. It's just like the hand-eye coordination to catch the thing. He barely missed a bar. and I was just like, that's just amazing yeah, yeah. Like, it was like i can't even believe i witnessed it yeah but the other coolest thing i ever saw at a concert was at the end of jazz's set before ray shremmer came out he he was like he basically gave a speech he's like yeah you know it's like i'm gonna bring out some of my little my homies running my little homies they got a new song out and he brought out these two dudes who i'd never seen before mm-hmm. and they were they just like who had crazy energy and they brought out their they brought out their whole crew with them there was like 15 people on stage yes and like one of them was wearing this like toronto maple leafs jersey which mm-hmm. is like just it was like a crazy drip and they're just amped to performing the song which i later discovered is called we are not and it's like yeah. just a really it's a good it's a great, great trap great song. song great trap song and it's like and it it was so like i think even listening to it now, because I've been listening to it like in the last year or so, listen to it every so often. 
is really so evocative of this exact moment in Toronto mm-hmm. hip hop where it's like it was like kind of like what's going on in the rest of the world too, but like there's this whole like you know high fashion mm-hmm. underground streetwear like influencer culture kind of thing, mm-hmm. and you know brushing up against like trap aesthetics and like trap rap, and the, one of the rappers in Come Downs from Atlanta and. The song is just fucking rowdy as fuck, mm. and they were rowdy as fuck performing yeah. it. And like after after the show, I went outside and I saw one of them like posted up against the wall, and I was like, "Yo, that was so dope." And this guy was clear was Fiji from mm. Come Down, and he clearly was just like coming off this like massive emotional high of having done that because yeah. like you know for for to perform a song as an unknown rapper where people don't even know you are and people got into it. Like yeah, people yeah. were so into it. We were yeah, everyone. Yeah. I just remember everyone's around, around me. Our mouths were agape. Yeah, we were like, cheering. who are these guys? Yeah, yeah. Like, this is like so amazing. So let's actually listen to a little bit of, we are not. And imagine hearing this song, um, at a concert when you weren't expecting to, mm. with two like very well dressed, like, you know, young rappers. So this is, we are not by come down. My denim is rap. I walk in the club. See your girl. It's a rap. My denim is Subi. You act like you knew me, but you do not know me. You do not I ball like I'm Kobe. Be throw like Ginobili. We are not homies. We are not. We are not homies. My denim is rap. I walk in the club, see your girl, it's a rap. My denim is Subi. You act like you knew me, but you do not know me. I ball like I'm Kobe. Be throw like Ginobili. We are not homies. We are not. We are not homies. Your niggas don't get it, stupid. When I talk, you forget it. You heard when I said it. Your niggas so, don't get it, but you gonna regret it. Like what is the rap album that you think you've listened to the most in your life? This is a really hard question for me because, like, I think in like growing up listening to hip hop, there was various phases. Mm-hmm. Like the initial, my initial introduction to a lot of hip hop albums was through my older brother, mm-hmm. and so this is in the '90s, and he was listening to like a lot of like. A lot of Biggie, mm-hmm. a lot of Tupac, eventually, like, I mean, a lot of Jay Z. Then that eventually led to like more Fifty Cent stuff. But I think, and then, but I, I mean, personally, I feel like I listened to a lot of those early Eminem albums a lot. Like, I mean, I had them on, I had them on the tape, yeah. you know, and I listened to it a lot. It's true. Know? It is. Whereas now, I feel like even though it's been like twenty years, mm-hmm. if I put on some of those, I know most of the nearly all of the words to like almost every MM song from those first two albums. Right. You know? right. Even the deep cuts, you know? Yeah. It, I mean it's hard if you didn't grow up with like physical like media of from music or CDs, tapes, whatever, I think it would be pretty hard it's pretty hard to appreciate what it was like when you would literally be like, oh I'm gonna spend twenty dollars, which when you're a kid in the nineties is a, a ton of money. Yes. Uh, to buy an album, you're gonna like l- rinse it. Like you're gonna listen to it till you can't listen to it anymore. Mm-hmm. Like you know, um, it, it like it, it's just you're kind of forced to. It's like you you, well, you want to get your money's worth. That's it, right, and, and it, it means so much to you. It's so fresh. It's also just like you don't have any other option. Yeah, exactly. it's like you listen to this album, which has got the explicit versions, or yeah, you listen yeah. to the radio, and you don't know what's going to come on the radio. Mm-hmm. There's like this. The, the, it's kind of crazy, like to think of like because I, I mean, there's probably no way to quantify this, but it's like I wonder if like people who are growing up now will ever listen to albums in the same way, where you just listen to the same thing over and over and over and over again, because you have this, you have the access to literally every song that's ever yeah. existed. Basically, that's a good question. It's like on YouTube or Spotify. I think the, the idea of just like playing an album over and over again is mm-hmm. kind of like, I mean, people will do it, but I don't know if it'll ever reach the same. Especially ones that you didn't, you don't like on the first, second or third listen. 
you know, because uh-huh. the, the, there were albums I remember that I like I kind of didn't really get into at first, and then and like you know you, you're forced you pay twenty dollars for it, you're gonna gonna listen to it and get your but, money's worth, get your money's worth, and then you kind of on the, the third or fourth listen, you pick up on it, and you're like, oh. This is what I've been missing. I didn't really get this. Yeah. Whereas, like now, I feel like it's like you listen to something once, like this sucks. I'm never going to listen. Yeah, to you again. just move on. I mean, so I, I would say there's probably three contenders for yeah. this. There's uh, the Marshall Mathers LP or the Slim Shady LP, like mm-hmm. probably the Slim Shady LP uh, from like '98 or '99. Mm-hmm. Then <laughs> when I moved to Houston, the when that Mike Jones album came out, who is Mike Jones? Mm-hmm. Like, which he, the Mike Jones whole gimmick is that he kept saying, my album, who is Mike Jones coming soon? Like he said yeah. that for forever and all these like Swish House freestyles that he was for like, honestly, like over a year. And it was mm-hmm. like, and then even on the, who is Mike Jones album, he says, my album, who is Mike <laughs> Jones coming soon? Which is like hilarious. But I think I listened, I listened to that album a ton. Mm-hmm. And then future's album, Pluto oh, in 2012. I listened to that. I like, even now, when I listen to that album, it just puts me in an emotional state that is like hard to even describe in words because mm. I feel like that's when 2012 was like, like it was a time that my interest in like hip hop was accelerating because I was like reading so much music criticism, reading so much, so many reviews. And, was was, get, and rap was getting a lot better. Rap was getting better after a little, a little dark period. Mm-hmm. And I think that and I also was finding so many more journalists and writers and dif- different people that were like, like the kind of hip hop that I liked in the same way that I liked it. Mm-hmm. So it, it's like, it, it really, a lot of things were coalescing at that time. So I feel like it's those three albums, Slim Shady LP, my, who is Mike Jones by Mike Jones and mm. uh, Pluto by Future. Right. What about you? Um, so I'd say that uh, there's, I have like, like yeah, kind of similar to you. I, I I don't know how to quite quantify it. I have two like older albums that I would say are, would be my guess. And then I have uh, a, one recent album that might be a little bit surprising to some people. The uh, The classic albums are, both by Outkast, they're AT Aliens and Equipment I. Those albums, like when I, f- the, the moment I heard them, I was like in love with both of them. I bought them both on CD, sort of uh, the tail end of my CD collecting era. Uh, I both I own them on both on vinyl. So I, when I got into record collecting, very briefly, I also listened to them on record. <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah, I don't know you to be a vinyl player. Uh, I, I can't afford to like that lifestyle. That's like, people spend so much money on records mm-hmm. and like. You know, it's it's a whole thing. I will when I'm older, I'm going to get into it. Like I still have a really good record collection that I don't listen to, mm. uh, but I plan. It's like when I'm rich enough to get the sound system I want and and to go after the records I want and all that, then I, I will do it. But I I I know myself, and I'm not willing to let myself be casually into it because I won't be casually into it. I'll spend more money than I should should on it. Word. Um. Anyway. Uh, and I still listen to them to this day. Like I'll still put them on. Uh, they're still sound so fresh to me. Um, I still feel like I'm f- hearing things or noticing songs that I didn't like love at first that I, I like more. Maybe ATL, like equipment. I was probably in the lead for a while, but ATL I listen to more these days. Mm. Um, and then the, the more recent one, it's kind of funny, uh, is life of Pablo. Oh, interesting. I love that album. And I still like, I, I'm very much in the minority here, but I think it's it's my favorite Kanye album. Wow. And I think it 
The reason I like it so much is I think that it does all the things that Kanye does throughout his career. There's like a song that kind of is like a Yeezus song. The song like a, a late registration song. The song that's an 808 and Heartbreak song. There's like, he, you know, he kind of covers all different eras of Kanye. I don't think there's a bad song on it. Hmm. And I just look at my like like iTunes play count and it's like super high. And I know that I've listened to it. Like my um, then girlfriend, now wife, she also loves it. So like when we drive places, we'll put it on, mm. and like it's it like I don't it probably isn't quite in the same stratosphere as those Outkast albums, but of my contemporary, it is like it's by far ahead of the of the non Frank Ocean albums. So I listen to Frank Ocean all the time. Interesting, I, I love that album too. Um, do you want to play a song from Aquemini or AT Aliens? Yeah, um, let's play uh, Mainstream by Outkast. It's a it's kind of a it's a deep cut, and I, I love it very much. They sworn diving, dip their name be Gretchen Von Ivan. Phone car rushing to finish the album, did you find them? Lost dog peddling, backstroking, what done happened? Deep rhyme to catch it today, when the recipe called for black and wrong ingredients. Maybe too much herbs and spices, maybe you got hungry for the wrong dish of them greens and it's enticing how them Jones to sing. So I'm gonna sing, just like them, to get where they at. I'll even break my back to touch they rim. If I gotta, my ultimata be that I follow. I bite whatever that's looking tasty, water it down in this swallow. I hope you vomit, won't call no names cause that's not my job. It just applies to who been making you know who you are, but if you don't, you never will. You just proceed to steal, but then it might get ugly, cause trust me, niggas do feel the way that I felt when I wrote this. But we must stay in focus, be kings and queens up in this thing, get rid of all them jokers. Face down, face down, face down. Who is, are, is there any rap writer who really influenced you, like rap journalists, or any bit of rap criticism that you? you know, found really influential? I mean, yeah. I think anybody who knows anything about the rap journalism world mm -hmm. will not be surprised by this answer. But uh, it's the guy, Andrew Nozitsky, also known as Nas. He had mm -hmm. a very influential blog called Cocaine Blunts. And then he had a very influential Tumblr called Tumbling Herb, um, which is like he he's taken both offline. Mm -hmm. It's a real I, shame. It's Yeah, I think it's in an effort to like, disappear from the rap internet or just mm -hmm. from the internet in general is kind of take a step back. But it's, it's a shame because there was such a great resource of like great thinking about music mm -hmm. and just writing about music and just like kind of digging in the YouTube crates and finding all this like interesting, strange, like regional music that like has like 30,000 views. It's really impressive. And mm -hmm. like, I, I think that like, you know, discovering Nas was like such a big thing for me because it was like, it really seemed like, you know, you'd see him, he'd be writing for, like, the Washington Post or the Washington City paper, and mm -hmm. then he'd be writing for, like, the Fader and all this stuff. He's like, oh, this is, like, a viable career option. Mm -hmm. uh, spoiler alert, it isn't. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it was, like, it was something that, at the time, I was really interested in getting into, mm -hmm. and seeing people like him made it, like, attainable in some ways. Yeah. Similarly, there's, like, the New York Times uh, pop music critic, John Caramonica, mm -hmm. who's, like, definitely one of my favorite writers. He's a very divisive figure. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I love him. I think he's amazing. And I re distinctly remember reading this interview he did with Bun B in The Believer, mm -hmm. which is like, this is like kind of my two worlds crossing over. It's like this literary magazine that has, you know, because uh, I also remember, I remember reading something that John Caramonica wrote. This is probably like 2009 or 2008. Mm -hmm. And I was like, who is it? Who? Oh, is it, it, no, it was that Believer interview. I read yeah. that. And I was like, who's this guy Like yeah. that wrote this? And I looked him up and I found his MySpace. <laughs> and I was like, huh, I got to follow this guy. Mm -hmm. And I just like kind of followed his, just followed him from then and have come to realize that, you know, he was like, 
basically is around in the from the like the last like the nineties of like rap journalism, Vibe mm-hmm. magazine, like those worlds, and like yeah. connected it now. And he's like the pop music critic at the New York Times. So yeah. He's like at the highest level. Has a great podcast called the Pop New York Times Popcast. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I feel like Cara Monica and Nas just like. I mean, there's also a lot of other people like Julianne Escobedo Shepard, who mm-hmm. was a music writer and now like is the editor in chief of Jezebel. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's like, yeah, I, I, like there was a time I was super into Torre, mm-hmm. who's a yeah. Rolling Rolling Stone uh, journalist who's since been disgraced in various ways, <laughs> but but he was a guy that was like early on. Like I remember reading a magazine article that he wrote. I think he wrote a, a, a cover story about Jay Z once that I read, and I was like who wrote this? And I was like, I got to follow this guy. You know, mm-hmm. and it's like, just like all of all these people, it's like, I think in a lot of ways, a lot of journalists and writers that I followed were bridges to other journalists and writers that I followed. Mm-hmm. And then they just kind of like, t- and I just kind of like kept up with a lot of them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's like kind of like my story. What, what about you? Uh, similar, definitely very into Nas, uh, somewhat into John Caramonica. Uh Sean Fennessy, who is now the ringer had a, a hip hop blog at the same, it was, I don't even remember how I found it. I think through some hip hop message board, but that was like a very early sort of vantage point of someone who was sort of similar to me in demographic, uh-huh. who had like the same kind of obsessive uh, interest in hip hop and sort of mid part of the decade on Blogspot. Yeah, so I was really into him, uh, Nas, uh, Dream Hampton. Yes, I was going to mention her. Too. Yeah, she has like she's kind of different than the other people we mentioned a little bit because she was close with a lot of rappers is really early and sort of formative and has a kind of different perspective mm-hmm. um she's some beautiful she's a, just a beautiful beautiful writer mm-hmm. um she was and she's like back in the source days so that's like a 90s like yeah like she started at the start in the 90s yeah one person i'd like to give another shout out. i think i might have mentioned him before on the on the on here on uh, sort of the podcast tip was combat jack who you know not a sort of traditional journalist in the in the way that we're kind of mentioning it mm-hmm. but very much kind of got to the bottom of hip hop uh, in a, a really interesting perspective and the kind of way that I think has inspired uh, at least my approach to this podcast in giving, trying to give like the full picture mm-hmm. of where the music was coming from a lot. Uh, he sadly like passed away like yes. a few years ago. It's actually super tragic. And, yeah. And sad. Because he just hosted this incredible podcast called mogul, which is about the life and death of uh, Chris Lighty, who was mm-hmm. a major music manager. Yeah, um, go check his stuff out if you if you haven't. Yes, you check out his podcast, The Combat Jack Show. They're they're still like accessible. He's interviewed like a litany of rappers and also non rappers, mm-hmm. and just like he's able to extract like such interesting stories from these people because they yeah. feel comfortable with him. And yeah, like Dame, a, he's a great Dame Dash episode. Yes, yes, and he has like a really interesting history himself. He was a lawyer for Def Jam and like just like came up in the music industry. Just like a very interesting story and an interesting guy. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. um, what's your favorite song to play when DJing? Um, or it, as a DJ? As a DJ, like all time. It's an interesting question because I mean I've been DJing for a really long time now, and part of the fun of DJing is like discovering new music and and you know kind of keeping up with things and know playing the right song at the right time in the, in the song sort of life cycle mm-hmm. to some degree, which can both be like when it's new and fresh and just cresting in popularity, and also just forgotten enough that people are excited to hear it again. True. Um, you know, I don't know that I can I can even name just one, but I'm going to name a couple. Okay. So one of my favorite ones of all time is a song by Future called Shit. 
Oh my god! Yeah. So the song is like it's like one of Future's oh hardest god. sort That's of trap so songs. Crazy. It's off his like really underrated album Honest, uh, which you know I think we've talked about when we've talked about Future before. It's kind of mentioned that that it's kind of a weird album for Future. After Future, after Honest, you really that's post honest is when he really became the star that he is mm-hmm. uh but shit so so the reason i love shit so much is that one it it just it's sort of the most tra- it's like to me it's like at the the most far extreme of the trap sound just in terms of like hardness mm-hmm. but i also remember playing it when we were first starting to do boozy fade and at a, at a uh, DJ night we did before that called Stay Woke, and seeing the reaction to it, knew it like it it showed me that like the audience in Toronto rap had changed mm. because once upon a time, DJing rap, you you, you kind of had to play the crowd here. You know, as Jordan has mentioned before, like it used to be really hard to find rap in clubs, and and you know, when you, when you did, it would be like '90s hip hop. Exactly, it would be like which, yeah. I mean, Biggie I like, something. but I'm like, I'm fucking overhearing 90s hip hop in clubs, bro. Like, exactly. Just, I like, wasn't trying to hear that. Like, yeah. I'm like, what, play what's popping right now in Atlanta. In yeah. Here, you know? Exactly. And like, when that stuff was popping, we play Jeezy, you'd get like a mixed reaction. Mm. Whereas, like, I remember playing this song and seeing like everybody go off and being like, oh, like, I finally found what I've been looking for in DJing. And it's also kind of a song that uh, it it's like a future song that I think. Like, it's because his run after was so dominant and there was so much good music. That it's kind of, sti- like, fallen... Totally. Like, I, I kind of forgot about that song, that song and I loved that song. Yeah. You know? Uh, I know. Like, the the real one is, though. It's got to be KMT by Drake. Uh-huh. 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 So, uh-huh. I mean, it's, one of the funny things about Drake was that as, like, a DJ... There was a definite turn kind of around 2013 and, and and it was cemented in 2014 with if you're still reading this before that playing Drake as a DJ in Toronto was kind of a mixed bag. It wasn't like it was a sh- like sure thing that it was going to make a crowd go off. There was still a lot of sort of skepticism about Drake. Um but you know once uh classic if, Toronto fashion. Yeah, exactly. Sort of screw face capital stuff. Uh you know, once if you still once if you still ring this came out and Drake sort of cemented himself as the top at the top of of rap, uh, the attitude started to change. And I would say like the peak of that was when More Life came out and he put out this song called KMT with this UK artist Gigs, who probably at the time I would say most people who like Drake did not had never heard of uh-huh, at least uh-huh. in in not outside, outside America, of the UK. In, yeah, outside of the UK and you're probably Europe as well. Yeah. And again, in sort of a similar fashion to the future song, it is just like a song that sort of blends like a U. It's like a U has a UK tinge to it through gigs, mm-hmm. but it's just such a hard trap song. And make it just like was like a type of place that it's the kind of song that you play. And when it came out, the reaction of people was like you felt like the building was going to fall down. <laughs> it's true. It's like it's yeah. That is a really fun song to play even now. It's it is like, still to this day. Like especially it still when works. it's like when the when the night's already like when it's already pretty rowdy yeah. and you throw that on people just like you, you people like still still are like oh shit yeah like, exactly like, yeah. Like, oh man we, yeah. gotta, we, gotta, we, gotta get, we gotta get our bearings this is yeah. about to get really hectic yeah you know? exactly like, um so what about you yeah that's good it's I, you know i i think for me i think back to like you know 
when Boosie Vade the party was first really taking off in like 2015, we moved to a bigger venue, Parts and Labor, which is like, you know, 200, 220 person capacity at that time. Um, and it was right around the time that Dirty Sprite 2 had come out, the future album. Right. And I remember like, the the feeling of playing like thought it was a drought mm-hmm. like just I'm like just like it has a really long intro yeah you just hear him pouring like open like opening a lean bottle and pouring it mm-hmm. and it's just like building up and he's like speaking to his like dirty soda spike yeah <laughs> white girl <laughs> yeah, yeah and then it's like and then it's like the song builds up and it's like you know I just fucked your bitch in some Gucci flip flops you yeah, know yeah. and it's like hearing people yell those lyrics yeah, like, yeah. I, I also remember, remember the first time I heard that album and I'm like I can't believe this nigga just said that <laughs> <laughs> like, I was like, the fuck like that's wild you know and like and then just hearing like a room full of people just be like be so excited to fucking yell that 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 line it's just like so i for me it was kind of a similar to like what you were saying about like when people were reacting to shit it's Mm -hmm. like i was like wow people like really are connecting to Mm -hmm. the music that i love the most in the same way that i am Mm -hmm. and i feel like that's also the fun part about boosie fade that's the fun part about the parties is like that it's like it's that feeling over and over again yeah exactly you know like most of the people that go to the parties, they've been they're listening to like a lot of the songs they're playing, and it's like you're excited to hear those songs out in that way, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, because the thing is, like, uh, for people who haven't had the you know, the fortunate experience of going to Boozy Fade, a lot of your experience at clubs is going to hear it's going to clubs, and you it's kind of we, we you know Jordan, you mentioned this a lot. You're hoping to hear a few of your, the songs you like, you know? Like yeah. you're lucky if you if you're you know, if it's a good DJ, they'll read the room and they'll play great stuff. And there's a lot of amazing DJs in Toronto. So many. But most cities aren't like that. Mm-hmm. You know, you're lucky if you get to a party where the DJ is willing to... And the venue also. Because a lot of venues in a lot of places in the world won't let you play sort of contemporary rap in uh-huh. that kind of style. Or the crowd just doesn't doesn't have that same familiarity with it in general. They're not going to go off to like a, a, a deep cut future song or... or you know, whatever. Maybe it's changed a little bit now since yeah. rap has become a little bit more it's, mainstream. It's but, but still, like, what's so amazing have been been so amazing about Boozy Fade is that shared experience of hearing that music together. That's and right. That reaction. Somebody said to me at the last party. Um, I don't. I don't think I'd met this. I maybe met this guy once once before. I don't actually remember his name. But he came up to me and he was saying, he was like, "Oh man, thank you for doing this, like all this stuff." And he's like. He's like, man, he's like, you know, we go to other events and they play some of the stuff we want to hear. But yeah. You guys play like all of the stuff we want to hear. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, fuck, man. That's exactly <laughs> what I want to hear. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. like, that's like, that's how it feels for me. I'm like, this is what I, like, when I feel like when I'm DJing, I'm like, what would I want to hear right now? Like, yeah, yeah. what will, and so it's like, what will make the most amount of people excited or a small pocket of people mm-hmm. who will really, really appreciate it, but the rest of the people will still like be into it. Yeah. You know, that's kind of like how I think about things and like hearing, hearing him say that, I'm like, wow, that's like, that's kind of like the vibe that we're going for. Yeah. You know? So, um, thought it was a drought is definitely a top tier. Mm-hmm. I fucking, I love playing bitch better. have my money by Rihanna. Yeah, yeah. Like it's just, just good fun. Um, yeah. I mean, those ones, well, I like. You know what song you love playing? Yeah, New Slaves. I do love playing New Slaves. Yeah, I do love playing. Also, playing. This is only a boozy fade, like at the shop or parts and labor thing, because mm-hmm. it doesn't really work in the same way at other places because of the way the ceiling is. I love playing the song. I love Kanye. Yes, because it's like 
all the music, all the, the there's no there's no production on it. It's just yeah. it's just Kanye it's yelling, acapella. And, and it's acapella, and, and then everyone just kind of always gets into it. You just, and then and then it's like just going to a Kanye song right after that. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's like most of the time it's New Slave. Sometimes I'll play like Part One, yeah, you know, for Father Stretch My Hands yeah, or like yeah. whatever. But it's like. It's just like it's like a it's a good like palate cleanser. It's a good like if things have been going ha- hype for a while, it's a good way to like bring it back down to earth yeah, yeah, for a yeah. second and then go right back into it. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Nice. Well, I think that that's that's a pretty good uh, interview session for, for you know, I think we might do this again in the future. Yeah. You know, you know what? If you if you have any questions that you would like to hear us ask each other to mm-hmm. talk about like music history our own personal music history yeah or our opinions on certain things like please um send them to us at uh, on instagram at ketchup podcast yeah it's a lot of fun yeah it was fun it's fun to think about these things yeah hope you enjoyed it as much as we did yes uh, recording it let um, us know and uh once again go yeah. to the rec com if yeah. you want to see us talk to dj academics which you should tickets are only 10 bucks this is a big step for the, the boys the, the podcast and you know, could be uh, could uh, help dictate what our future is going to be. <laughs> yeah, and I, I mean, I'm not going to say that DJ Academics will listen to your mixtape if you bring it, but I'm not saying he's not going to listen to it either. Fair point. You know, I, I can't make. I'll, any t- I'll tell you who won't listen to it. Me. <laughs> I want to make that very clear. Do not send me your mixtape. I can't do anything for you. I'm not involved in music journalism anymore in that way. I don't even think it really works that way anymore. So yeah, like uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you, man. It's not going to yeah. be me. Uh, shout out to producer Kyle as always. Shout, shout out, out Corey. He, did, he didn't do any he, research for this because we didn't have to research ourselves. Yeah. But but shout out Corey shout in out general, Corey. man. Yeah. Just a a good dude. Uh, recently had a birthday. Mm-hmm. Uh, smart dude knows a lot about music. Fun knows a lot about video games. Just a fun, cool guy. Yeah. And yeah, he works with us on catch up. So we're yeah. delighted to have him. Yeah. All right, guys. Talk to you soon. <laughs>